0: what a lot of us have wanted. The people have spoken for quite some time. they wanted more time with you, great man. And today, uh, we get it. Good afternoon to you. How are you, mates? I'm,
1: uh, well. I'm really uh, pumped up, ready to go. The extra 10 minutes or so, we can just cram a heap of
0: stuff in there. Well, there's a heap of stuff that I want to talk to you about. And I, I'm very keen to, at some stage in the hour, if you don't mind having a chat about this, talk about how Manchester United supporters are. We're, we're, there's, enough, there's a sample size brewing. It's certainly not enough of a sample size yet. But there's a sample size starting to view to to brew and form in front of us about Jose Mourinho, and there was just a little stat that I saw posted by one of the UK um, news outlets on Twitter last night that I'll put to you. And if if his name wasn't Jose Mourinho, <laughs> if his name was uh, say David Moyes, for example, I reckon he'd be under a fair bit of pressure right now. But it just seems to be sliding off the teflon coat of great One. So
1: you're going to compare him against Van let's but well, there are let's do it sto- now. there were some stories. Also comparing him to David Moyes at this time of his tenure. Okay, well, I didn't and it's, say, yeah. it's no better. Well okay. it's no better. So well we'll
0: get, before you we get stuck in the local stuff and there's a heap of domestic football to talk to you about, and I know you've got a heap of stuff you want to talk about. Louis Van Arle, uh, after nine Premier League games last season, had 19 points on the board with Manchester United. Jose Mourinho, uh, Jose Mourinho, mm-hmm. I should say, mm-hmm. after nine Premier League games this season, 14 points. Yep, Five-point differential. Not a word. Not a word, any, that I can see or that I've detected about any disquiet amongst the troops or the fan base. There's no one seems to be – now, you're closer to this and you're talking about this stuff 24-7. I'm I'm
1: as far away as what you are geographically, but a lot of stuff I've been talking about, I mean, how this starts is when past greats start making comment, like Gary Neville – and uh, there's uh, Michael Owen who's making comment also Jamie Carragher all the, all the big name pundits over there are starting to now question what this is all about it's funny you know everyone dying to get stuck into Jose Mourinho because he's done this in the past in that you know I'm the special one you're garbage and he keeps on rolling out the fact that he's won trophy after trophy and he has and that's what I loved about Jose for years and years he'd say what he was going to do and he delivered and you've got to actually admire that I, I oh, always yeah. did uh, but what What's happened since his time at Real Madrid and then Chelsea last year, and now Manchester? You know, that sort of the 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 the, the lustre around Jose Mourinho is now falling away, and really uh, they're, they're talking about him being the reason why uh, they're not going all that well. Uh, they're starting to question everything. Right. Podga Pod, Podba, the uh, you know the, the the most expensive player in the world. Uh, you know why did they buy him when? They don't really know how to play him. Um, They've got you know what are they going to do with Wayne Rooney? You know it's not not by accident. Now there's a story coming out that Sven Goran Eriksson wants to take him to China on an eighty million dollar deal, and he might be gone next year. Slats Ibrahimovic. When we were we were absolutely gushing over this guy when he first came in and he started scoring goals in the early in the preseason, also early games. Hasn't scored in seven. That's that's unheard of for someone like him. Um, I think we sort of touched on this last week. I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that uh, what identity should Jose Mourinho uh, adopt? For, uh, yeah. yeah. His, identi- his, his personal favoured coaching style is pragmatic. Uh, get the job done. Built on a defensive you know, defensive, uh, sterile type way of playing football and be successful that like way. Like
0: the way they played against Liverpool. Absolutely.
1: Yep, yep. And that's what he's done in the past, you know, congratulating himself when they have 35% of the possession mm-hmm. when the other side has uh, the rest of it. Um, the problem he's got is that he's join a club like Manchester United, and the likes of Gary Neville talks about the Manchester United way or the Matt Busby way or the Bobby Charlton way. Uh, and, and it was always going to be a big, big challenge for anyone to take over after Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, and I think they always wanted Jose Mourinho, but the doubt over him was, does he want to be Jose Mourinho and, and forge uh, what, or mould what Manchester United is in his image, or will he go with the Manchester, so-called Manchester United way? And I think that's the struggle he has as a manager. He always wanted this job, and he probably started off by, let's just get all the best players and throw them out there and see how it goes. And now he's being criticised on the fact that it's not a balanced team. He's playing players out of position. They're confused. They're really befuddled about what they've got to do on the pitch, and a lot of commentators have talked about that on the weekend, that Pogba didn't know what his job was, and and a few others too. The the defence just has no resilience, no steel about it at all. If you saw the four goals that Chelsea score on the weekend, that's cut through them like it was a a schoolyard team. And uh, so I just think there's no spirit, there's no fight, they don't seem to have a clue about what they've got to do on the field, and I think it all stems from Jose not really... Biting the bullet and saying, "Listen, I'm this sort of, this sort of coach. I'm going to wear the criticism. Uh, we'll be successful by being." this.
0: But I think there's just all these things pulling on him about what he should be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nine. No, I'd love to hear from United supporters. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Here we are, early stages. Nine games into the Premier League season. Are you? Are you starting to get restless? Are you? Do you like? Or, no, it's not, do like, because you don't like where they're at. No. But are you at the other end? You hate where we're at. We, you hate the way you're, pl- you're playing. You haven't got the magic that you thought. Even though it's, it's not a magic, Look the way you're talking about you know you know, he doesn't sprinkle fairy dust around the place and turns things into magic, Mourinho. That's clearly not the way he goes about his business. He's hard-nosed, professional, dogged, uh, calculating way he goes Controversial, controversial Deliberate, yep, deliberately
1: yep. controversial. Uh, make sure the spotlight's on him all the time, which apparently the whole strategy around that is to take the spotlight off his players. Yep. Uh, but he's sort of, he's even come out after games and openly blamed his players. I mean, on the weekend, he talked about the individual errors of his players that cost him the game. And that's in a way deflecting from his inability to get them working as a collective.
0: Is he generally is this way nine four two nine eleven sixteen? If you've got a view on this, is he is he that sort of coach? Does he does he a guy like Pogba? Does he he historically has he brought players like him, gifted individuals who like to play an expressive style of football? Does he like to take them? And make them his type of player. You just do what I tell you to do and we will be successful. Don't worry about doing what you want to do and showing the world how good you are you do what i want you to do and yep. you will have success
1: i think in the past he's been more shrewd in the transfer market if you look at the chelsea teams where he won so much with them he had that mix of the lampards and uh, and the uh, uh, ramirez mm. in the middle of the park guys who were just you know really great professionals and he sort of sprinkled around that the drogbas of this world so the next big thing who were hungry, uh, he'd bring them in, and he'd just forge an, an amazing winning machine. Not always pretty, but really effective, and they were going to steamroll anyone in their way, in an arrogant sort of a way. Uh, I, I, it, you know, really, without notice, he struggled yeah, with yep, yep, yeah, He yep. struggled with Ronaldo at, at Real Madrid. He struggled with, um, uh, actually, Fernando Torres. I don't know if he was, he was uh, purchased yeah, at the time they're he they're was there, there or yeah, not, yep, yep, yep. but... I don't remember him dealing with huge, huge names. He likes to be yeah. He likes, he likes
0: it to be yeah. about him, right? yeah.
1: But he still gets really good players. More shrewd about being very selective who he brings in. But the really big names, him buying a ready-made big name, I can't really remember. Please correct me out there because yeah. I don't have it in front of me. But I don't remember where he's purchased a big name. And made them better.
0: Okay, nine four two nine eleven sixteen or oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Johnny's in Greensboro, sixteen past two. Carlos Alberto, Diego in the studio from the forty Diego's. Hi, John. How are you, fellas? Thank you.
2: Uh, look, there's a touch of Michael Malthouse about Mourinho. The game has changed a little bit, and he's set his game around a defensive mentality. But where he's gone wrong, he's gone out and he's recruited attacking players. And like you said, well-known players that score goals, that play attacking football. But he doesn't use them to their strength. And I think he's he's been left
0: behind tactically. That's my opinion. Can he merit in that?
1: Well, I think he's a, he's a tactical genius. But I think he's torn between this whole expectation to be the Manchester United type of manager. Yeah, right. You know, this attacking, free-flowing type. And I don't think I've ever seen him uh, produce a team like that. And it's almost against, against the grain. And maybe he can't do that. Maybe he's a coach that can't do that, and he wins by being more pragmatic. Uh, but I, I agree with that. I, but whether he, he's in a, he, unable to do it or whether he's just not – got the DNA to do it, yeah. that's something that remains to be seen.
0: Blackie's in plenty. He wants to have a chat about Man and Mourinho in particular. Hi, mate. G'day, guys. How you going? Thank hey, you. Uh,
3: Carlos and Andy, my biggest issue with Jose, and he hasn't learned from Louis Van Hull, is that team is totally unbalanced. They have got six or seven guys that all prefer to play in that role behind the strike. And I know some of them can do a job occasionally – uh, in other positions, notably, you know, Rashford, uh, Rooney, Mata, Pereira, uh, there's, there's quite a Mikatarian who we recruited. Yeah, they can all spend time on the wing, but the problem is, um, they get the ball, all of them, and they all want to come inside. So United have no width. So when they attack, and you see, especially at Old Trafford, when it doesn't matter who they play, they tend to park the bus, and you saw it a fair bit last and you've seen it again this year. They can't get through because they have no wit. Yet he's got two wingers. He hardly plays Ashley Young, and when Ashley Young plays, plays well. Their most threatening attacking player is Valencia, who is a winger who he's got playing at fullback. He's also chopped and changed with Pogba. Now, Pogba at Juventus was a box-to-box midfielder. But he's asking Pogba to either play a holding role in some games. And you saw against Chelsea, Carl, especially in that yeah. second half. He had him as the, the number 10. Yeah, yeah, so, you, you, know, um, you know, he's got Herrera sitting next to him in the midfield. That's Herrera's role. Herrera can't play as a holding midfielder. He doesn't spray passes around. He doesn't break a defence open with, with a ball. Uh, he's totally imbalanced. And I was really worried in his transfer policy because, again... He went and bought someone like Mkhitaryan. He was a star, an absolute star in the Bundesliga. Now, early on, he he was totally out of position because they've they've got. He should have bitten the bullet and sold three or four of those attacking players and got himself a couple of good, good wingers. I mean, I ask you this, Carlos: Would Antonio Valencia play fullback for Italy?
1: Uh, But he's not Italian.
3: No, But if he was Italian yeah. would he be good enough to play as a fullback in the italian national side
1: uh, well i i haven't seen enough of him. Uh, I know that he's played um i know he's at the start of the year they're actually raving about him as as a as a fullback, so he might have a little bit of the qualities to play there but whether you know I, i'm assuming that you you watch them every week blackie and you, and you're saying that he he's, he's not good enough to play there i
0: he think it, that's yeah he, he, he
3: attacks well he gets yeah. what our position. But they've got a bloke. He refuses to play. Who's the Italian national fullback? He yeah. plays on the left. Of, so he's, as I said, he's gone down the same track as Van Hull. They are totally imbalanced, and he's trying to fit guys in. You know, Rashford is a prime example that he he plays out wide, and he's a great young player. He, he actually shows effort. But when when he came into the side last year, it was through the middle. Now he's got Ibrahimovic there, so. Yep. He's forced to play two young players in Martial and Rashford. And, yeah, they can do a job occasionally, not consistently, because they're both better going through the middle. And that's yep. their whole issue. Till he sorts that out... Yep. Um,
0: clearly, Blackie, clearly Blackie is not happy with yep. what Jose Mourinho is doing at Manchester United. And
1: I, what the fear is that it's not been Jose Mourinho's transfer policy. They've just said, who are the biggest names that we can get? because this is a new era, and it's, we've got to go back to the, the whole Matt Busby, yeah, Alex yep. Ferguson, free-flowing Manchester United way. Jose, checkbook, don't worry about it. Uh, blank check, just go and buy whoever you want. And Jose saying, well, I'll get Pogba, I'll get Slutton, I'll get this guy and that guy. Uh, we've got Rooney. I'll just throw it. What worries me is that there's this philosophy, let's throw them all together, you know, the Galacticos type, and they'll come good. And he's never coached like that before, and I feel that that might be what he's uh, what he was hoping that would happen. But it's actually really backfired, and and we're seeing a little bit. I mean, even Manchester City have been mm. disappointing. I mean, mm. this whole thing about checkbook type recruiting of your of your team. Yep. Uh, suddenly you've got Liverpool, you know, who are playing probably the best football in the Premier League right now, and they you know they don't have those. Anywhere near the big names that have been purchased by way of transfer? You haven't said anything. Yeah.
0: How long have we been doing this? We've doing yeah. this for a year. That is the most beautiful thing you've said <laughs> that Liverpool is playing. Anyway, Lucas is in. Last one on this. We'll get to a break. There's some big news about the North End that I'm going to talk to you about on the other side of the break, Carlos. Lucas, the final word for the time being on Man U. Um, I just want to say that Jose. I
4: think our signings have been, like the previous caller said, our signings haven't been. You know the way Jose wants to play. I think that he's just gone out and got the biggest names and they're not even necessary. I mean, Pogba's not worth that money for starters and he's more worried about the Snapchats than being on social media, it seems <laughs> like to me.
1: <laughs> not unlike a lot of the other footballers out there, Lucas, that's for sure. But uh, but look, mate, we, we spoke when he, when he actually spent the $100 million plus on Pogba. Yep, yep. We talked about the statement that a lot of these corporations have to make these days. Mm. This is Manchester United is no longer a, just a football club. It's a corporation, a global corporation. You talk about Apple, you talk about Microsoft, you talk about... Manchester United is a corporation. And the directors have said, listen, we need to make a statement that we're bigger than Barcelona, bigger than Real Madrid, because we want to be the biggest football corporation in the world because of the money they make through Asia, global tours, oh, the man. whole thing. Yep. And... Maybe it's more than just getting a player that fits in this position. Maybe it's, you've got to get the biggest name out there, we don't care what it costs. and So that's more important than winning titles. Well, I think they've got, the expectation is that they'll win also. Yeah. So the coach has got to be able to manage that plus win. That's the extra pressure that's probably on We're him.
0: we are got to get to a break. Yeah. Do, you, do you think they can still win the, the Premier League this year? Uh,
1: it depends on Jose. Right, uh, it dep- I think they've got the players, but it depends on Jose. And uh, he's got to just sift through all those that squad and just pick a squad that's going to win in games.
0: Carlos Alberto Diego in the studio. The Vicks are none for 23. Harris 11 and Dean 7. Shield game taking place against the Tasmanians as we speak. Jackson Bird bowling. He'll be trying to press his... Claims to be part of the Test 11 to take on South Africa in a week and a half's time. Um, The news that we have just been presented with about half an hour ago, the club is this a statement from Melbourne Victory. The club is incredibly disappointed to be advised that those currently representing the North Terrace are proposing to cease coordinated support at the North End in future matches. It goes on to outline a couple of bits and pieces without really getting to the nub of the detail, but... Their behavior is has been mentioned in the anti social uh, behavior is this something that we as sports fans uh, and people who talk about it for a living and people who respect enormously Melbourne victory and also respect what football fans bring to the event and the occasion and what they come to mean to the players, should we be concerned about this
1: I, i've got to be honest i 'm not i 'm not um I, I've only once defended the active groups when I thought there was an injustice when the, I don't know, the 90 or so West Sydney Wanderers band fans were splashed all over the front page, I think yep. the Daily Telegraph or one of the Sydney newspapers, and I thought that was an unjust, because the stories came out after that. So, you know, with some of the people who hadn't even been banned or they hadn't gone through a process mm. and suddenly their jobs were at risk, They'd their be, reputation, I afford, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, it was just awful that, that that could happen, even if there was out of the 90s, three or four of them, were, uh, it was unjustly uh, exposed in that way, I think that that would be an awful thing to go through. So that's the only time, but really, you know, for me, clubs react to, uh, you know, they have to have a safe atmosphere has to be a uh, an enjoyable entertaining safe atmosphere it's all about the game the fans are going to watch the game to support their team mm. if stuff's going on where police uh, need to get in there for some reason or you know there's a flare lit or something like that well that's anti-social behavior and the club they are legally liable to step in and do something about it and uh, and the FFAR also so for me if if the Northern Terrace guys are unhappy about some rule that's been imposed on them, that is obviously adopted because of the safety issue and because of the you know the, the spectacle being the game, and we don't want to take away from that, yep. I, I have no problem if they don't want to chant, don't chant. You know, go there quietly or don't go at all. I mean, for me, it it's got to be if you're going to games, it's got to be about supporting your club. It can't be about the entertainment you provide yourself in the stands. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And if you yeah, if yep, you trip. if you actually read the once this came out last night, I actually got onto the Facebook and I watched. I just read all the comments, and happily every second comment was saying, "Listen, if you if you if you shut down, you're not really supporting the club. You're really worried about yourselves and not the club. You're there for the club." And every second comment I read uh, was was had that sort of a a sentiment to it. So. Um, I think we're growing up a little bit now, and I'm really hoping that um, that our active groups start learning that they aren't the censor of everything. The alien will not die if they shut down and, and decide not to chant. Uh, we That will be replaced by something else. And I'm really hoping that after the last 12 or 18 months or so, they've had their say, and they should be working with authorities now and working with the club to make it a really safe, uh, enjoyable time or events at, at the game.
0: So, so this has happened on the eve of the um, FFA Cup semi-final, yep. uh, and you know, the club is clearly disappointed that they won't be represented by yep. the number of fans that we're talking about here who bring to every Melbourne victory occasion what they bring. What sort of difference will it make? Oh, it'll, be yep. it, 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 it'll be quiet. It'll
1: be quiet. It'll be quiet, and uh, that's fine. The game will evolve from there. Uh, there'll be other groups that will go there and, and, and they'll start chanting for the team, for the club, because that's what they're there for. It's just this group, for some reason, are unhappy about something. Uh, for me, you know, really, what, what can you possibly be unhappy about? You're there to support your club.
0: What do they actually do? It says here, as a club, we are fully committed, it's from Melbourne Victory, mm. fully committed to ensuring our active areas will always be vibrant, safe and enjoyable, creating a unique and inclusive atmosphere. Th- that they have done, right? Yep. But when, how often event within a venue, in a home, in a you know, in a match at Amy Park, has it been unsafe? Is is has safety on more than one? Is, is this something that has been? And you, from where you sit, not not from where yep. members of the media who want to kick the game, yep, they can't wait for a flare to go off. Beauty, here we go again, right? Yep. Well, we understand, we understand that element of the media that that's out there, and we know who they are, and we know why they take the position they take. And a flare going off clearly is a safety issue, right? It's against the law. It's against the yeah. law. How often have you been to a Melbourne Victory game where, they, where the North End has been you know, at its boisterous best yep. and thought this is an unsafe environment that's been created here?
1: I, uh, after the first derby, I mean, it doesn't happen every week, of course no, yep. not, but I, I uh, it happened to be, the Diagos were doing an on-ground sort of a stint for Melbourne City yep. uh, in their first year, yep. and after the first derby when Melbourne City happened to win that game, uh, they allowed uh, everyone else out of the stadium first, and they let the Melbourne Victory fans behind one of the goals stay there. And it may well have been the Northern Terror, I'm not sure. But they were all behind there. And we had to walk from across the ground from where we were doing our on-ground stuff to one of the uh, functions, functions over the, over the other side. And uh, all there was there was this, this line of police in front. And I've got, I'll be honest, the behaviour of those fans, that, pol- that, that ring of police was a
0: disgrace what did you see
1: oh this the open the open abuse the throwing things i mean it was just it was awful and i'm you know i'm not going to treat people with contempt by trying to hide that yeah uh that was that was years ago though that was 2005 2006 way before all this talk in the last 12 months so for me then i was ashamed i was ashamed i was embarrassed uh, I'd been defending the game from the old NSL of days. Of course. You know, for, when they were, you know, when they were really getting bashed up, the, when the game was really getting bashed up. What I saw that night was a disgrace. And, uh, and happily, I had not seen that since. And, but then again, I have not been, you know, in a position yeah, initially yep. to see that earlier. Yep, yep. Uh, that night, I understood why police were very frustrated with football fans.
0: Do you care at all to hear from any members of the North End who have been fundamental to this decision being made? Is it, is it worth what I'm asking? Is it, it worth if, hearing from? If, if they want... But, I mean, don't ring to talk about uh, talk about
1: something that doesn't impinge on your rights as a human being yeah if, if it impinges on your rights as a human being let's have a listen to it yep, yep. but if it impinges on your right to conduct whatever you want to do at a game that takes away from the game yep. i'm not interested what
0: what if, what if it's so it's the safety thing here that 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 i'm concerned about. you've spent many many more games than i have um I've been, you know, for a couple of years when I was working for Fox Sports, I was lucky enough to get sideline and beat a few Melbourne, like quite a few Melbourne Victory games. And I was blown away by it. Like, I thought, this is fantastic. I never mm. got a sense that they were creating an unsafe environment. In fact, I can't remember too many games that I was at personally where flares were lit. Yeah. So I didn't have that experience. I've come around regarding flares. Clearly, there is a safety issue, and clearly, there is a legal issue. But if they want to make noise and they're engaged, and when a goal is scored, they're not so caught up in what they're doing that they miss what yep. happens on the pitch. They clearly yep. see it. Mm. Um, they're clearly riding the game and the emotions and the ebb and the flow of the game with their team. That's to my understanding of it. If, if the venue has to cut them a bit of slack for them to do that, i.e., yes, you can stand. Yep. Yes, you can gather in that. Please don't break seats. Please don't be vandals. Mm. You know. Please don't light flares. But we like yeah. the overall. Then I'm I'm as a venue management, I would encourage, I would be encouraging the venue management to say, let them do that. Mm. Let them do that. This is.
1: But there's been a lot of conversations. I mean, between many, clu- clearly, I mean, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd love to to talk to Ian Robson at see. The amount of conversations it. they would have had with leadership. Of the Northern Terrace and other active yep. groups, that I mean, they would have weekly meetings. I would, I would think. Yep. You know, almost they'd be part of the club. These guys. Yep. Um. So you know, I mean, it, the the classic is whenever. I talk this way about it. Uh, they, 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 they talk about, you know, what, what happens overseas, and overseas the AFT the, the groups are, are just the same. Well, they, actually they're not just the same. I've been to Italy, I've been to Greece, I've been to England, I've been to all over the world yep. watching football. Uh, they, they chant and they sing and they, they really contribute to the atmosphere. But what I find is it's always about the team and the club. They're always focused on what's going on there. Right. It's not about having your own show – in, in, the, in the stands okay, or having, having you know, being so centred around what you're doing that it doesn't matter what the club thinks or what they want. I mean, the club and I think a number of clubs came out with a, 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 a say no to flares type campaign yep. at the start of the year. I mean they got buy in from everyone and the really good thing is that apparently the, the one flare that was lit on, lit on the weekend, it was the fans themselves that were self policing and they actually pointed out the perpetrator and the police took them away. That's fantastic and I think that's why, not the weekend I think it was the weekend before, uh, and that's why I think the FFA were a little bit more lenient in just issuing a reproband to Melbourne Victory rather than you know, docking them three points. Mm. So it, it is turning around but people have got to understand you've got a right to to cheer! You got to write to chant. You got to write to you know basically say whatever you want, uh, you know, and until as long as it's you know not racist or homophobic or anything like that. But it's got to be about your club and what the club wants because the club wants you. I mean, it, you guys they've got a vested interest in keeping of you there. Of course they have.
0: No, there's no doubt about that. I would love Ian Robson if if yeah. Robo's around listening to this. If you can come on, Robbo, and tell us about the levels of exasperation that you must feel at the conversations you're having with the nominated leadership of this group and the inability to toe the line that you think you've probably tread. I would love to hear from Ian Robson, or a member of the Melbourne Victory Executive, about all of this. A lot of stuff off the SMS, a lot of support for what the, FN, what, what the North End bring to Victory Games. A lot of people saying, who cares? They are mm. their own worst enemy. They brought it upon themselves. There is a game of football that I want to talk to you about, and I want to pick up where we left off the conversation last week regarding what Melbourne City do on the pitch. We'll just get a couple of calls out of way. Carlos, Alberto, Diego in the studio. Peter is on the road. Got three callers here. That's all we'll take. Not not members of the North End. Pete. Good afternoon to you, mate.
5: Good afternoon, guys. How are we? Good. Look, just just a couple of minutes of your time. Look, I've been I've been to. Champions League games in Athens. I've been to Switzerland to watch Greece, Switzerland. I've I've, I've been to many countries all over the world to watch the world game, right? And there's been fireworks, flares. There's never been anything said by the media. That's one. Now, two, I refuse to have anything to do with the A-League. I am a passionate Heidelberg supporter. I've been heavily involved with the club for many years. Um, And The NSL was actually killed off because of the ethnic violence, well, was a a part of why they killed it off, the ethnic violence that used to take place at at all games. But now, the A-League has the same issues as back then. Why don't the A-League take a stance like the the Greek League did and have a lockout game? But no they wouldn't do it because the teams won't make money. Well, tough luck. Lock the game down. No one goes in. No one gets to watch the game. You only get to watch it on TV. And let's see how they lock it for three four games a year.
1: Anything to is that?
0: that gonna, Anything that to what Peter said? Uh,
1: I, I don't think that the issue is that we've just got an active group saying they're not going to chance. That's, that's I think it. we've gone yeah. through all that I don't, before. I I, I don't think that, I don't, it's just the issue's come up because the Northern Terrorists have come up and... And uh, and but, by the way, uh, to Peter out there, you know, I've been overseas and watched this and seen flares and stuff, but it's against the law in Australia mm. to light a flare in public. So you're going to have to go and change this through government <laughs> regulatory authorities or something, because it's not like the FFA, are, uh, this is an edict from them, it's against the law. So it, unless you want to change the law, we've got nowhere to go if you want to light a flare in public. You're going to get fined, you're going to get you know, charged in you know, it,
0: it, Carlos, it, answer me this question, right? Before you, tem- if there were no, fl- if there weren't flares going off, right? Would we be having this conversation? Well, in, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't
1: know. I don't know. why the Northern terrorists, exactly why the Northern terrorists are saying we, we don't want to chant anymore. Uh, I, I heard somewhere that they were allocated seats, and they didn't want to deal with that. So, uh, and that obviously would be difficult if you're in a mob and you want to chant as a mob. It's going yep. to be difficult. Yep. Uh, but there's a reason why. Obviously, they've been allocated seats. Because this is we're eleven years in or twelve yeah, years yeah, in now. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why this has happened. So, um, you know, if Robbo does, yeah.
0: does Melbourne Victory want its supporters to sit down in an orderly fashion? I, I, sit yeah, down. I don't know. If you want to <laughs> chant from the yes, seats you're sitting yeah, down yeah. in, go your hardest. Yeah. But don't all congregate. Don't jump up and down. Don't link arms. Don't yeah. take shirts off. Don't throw flares. Don't bring provocative signs. Don't turn yeah. your back. Don't flip the bird. Is that? Is I, that I what don't know.
1: T- I, I don't know, Andy. Okay. To answer, I, I don't have an answer for that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Matt's in Lower Plenty. Good afternoon, mate. G'day, boys. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to put. For, I'm a. I'll
2: put my cards on the table. I'm a. Well, what, I was a 16-year season ticket holder at Sheffield Wednesday before I moved to Australia, and then I was an inaugural Melbourne Heart, now Melbourne City member. Um, I'm an active member, but not actively involved. If that makes sense. Um, and we have an allocated seat that we don't have to sit in. My understanding is these guys are being pushed to that allocated seat, and I don't think they realise just how bad you can get if they ever want to go down the road the way the UK was. As a child growing up, I was in the pens at Hillsborough where Liverpool fans were killed. I've been treated like cattle as a football fan. I've seen nothing in Australia to see the FFA doing anything along those lines. If these guys are misbehaving and being told, well, go to your allocated seats then. I don't think every other active area is being told that, unless something's changed that I haven't seen. So it seems a little bit like they're reaping what they're sowing at the moment.
1: And that's the feedback we're getting from the forums too there, Matt. So... Uh, I don't know the situation. I don't sit amongst them and, you know, and I could be really wrong. Yep. But it's all about uh, supporting your team and the club. That's all I know. Yep. And, and I do know that some of the, some aspects of these groups, some, you know, there's a core of these groups that aren't there for that. They're there really for their own enjoyment, their own – you know, yep, yep. maybe baiting of police. I don't know what it is, but it's just it's, they're there for something other than the actual game in yep. their club.
0: Yeah, well, well, if that's what's going on and that's the feedback that Victory keep getting, then they're, they're mm. completely entitled to do what they're doing. And if the fans that we're talking about who are a minority, they're significant, but they're a minority, if they can't cop it, then that's on them, I suspect. John's in Mooney Ponds. And you're right, what you said before, then we'll find out who's actually there to support the mm. football team. John's in Mooney Ponds. Last call on this. Hi, mate. Yeah, hi guys. How are we? Good, thank you. Look, I I agree
4: in some uh, regards to what you guys are saying. I also disagree. I'm not a North fan. I'm in my forties, so I'm not one to sort of jump around. I've been a member for eleven years from both sides. Andy, you mentioned about I don't know if you use it as an example. Were you saying that you know um, is it because people are jumping up and down or having banners or stuff like that? Uh, look, to me. Is it, as long as you allocate it to a seat, the problem I think it is also that there's people can't fit together or whatever. I, you know, I don't think an active member should be sitting at a seat. As long as they've got a seat for their name, that's fine. As um, for you know, watching if they're watching games or not, you know, that's, there's a reason why there's so many members and new people to the game because of those guys. Now I, I know that they can come across selfish at times. Uh, but, you know what, well, they've never had a perfect relationship with Victory. I think the first few years, um, they had proper leaders there. I, I know a guy or two, you would probably know him, Carlos uh, uh, Tuna. He was probably the good one of the good guys. And now he's just a lot of wannabes. And I think the club and the, the North fans never had any control over their relationship together. And it's just... Um yeah, it's, it's, there's got to be more self-policing. I know a lot of people who've watched a game overseas in England, where there's no sleuth. and they said in you know at Liverpool or United, there's self-policing. We've never, I think, as members or nor fans have been given given um, that opportunity, and that's probably because there's a lot of dickheads.
0: Yep, yep. I think you're right. Self-policing is the key word, I reckon, John, in there. And we probably most we probably agree with a lot of what you've said in that uh, call. We appreciate. It. We get a last break out Why it's ten to three. I want to come back and get you. I know you said. You used the word bloodbath last week uh, <laughs> regarding what we're going to look... It's finally tonight. Oh, I on. can't wait. And there was, can't a bit wait. Of, there was a bit of something in the air yesterday, the <laughs> press conference between the two managers. Too, I'm really looking forward to this time. We'll get a f- few thoughts from you about that on the other side. Of this. this is Carlos Alberto Diego in the studio with me. Until then, on a scale of 1 to 10, <laughs> 10 being very, <laughs> yeah. 1 being couldn't yeah. give a rat's toss yeah. bag, yeah. <laughs> how excited are you about the FFA uh, Cup semifinal? i am got to
1: say, you know... Busky had a press conference, of course. That was testy in itself with uh, John Van Skip yesterday. Turned up
0: a bit late. And somewhere
1: through the press conference, he actually met, mentioned that he wants to win the game to get to a cup final. I'd forgotten that it was a cup final, semi you know, final of a cup. Uh, I'm just so looking forward to these two teams. Uh, suddenly, you know, there's question marks over City after that brilliant performance in the Derby. Yep. Uh, same when, old, same when old. When everyone was writing off victory after the Derby, suddenly they're saying, okay, I got the steel back and they've got a bit of momentum. It's amazing what one win does the way they won it in Adelaide. So suddenly these two teams, it's like, it's always this clash of the, you know, the, that uh, the, just the, two teams that just have to prove something tonight. And it's even greater than the fact that it's a cup semi final. I think mm. it's, it's almost setting the scene for the rest of the season.
0: Because, People want to see the two storylines going in there. And you're 100% right about this is almost bigger than what this, what, what access is given yeah. to the winner. This one right now, in terms of the overall of this season, just for a little snapshot early, is bigger than that. Because you've got Melbourne Victory, who clearly, after the game a couple of weeks ago, were going to be absolutely revved up. And if they're not, then they've got a problem to at least show that that was, a, that was, a, uh, that yep. was not how this is going to play out in Melbourne. But suddenly, with what happens to City on the weekend, he warned us about this last week. He said, hang hey, <laughs> just calm down. Don't get too excited. There's history here. And this yep. these, this is a leopard that has established spots. And we need to make sure we don't, they don't change very quickly.
1: There is a bit of a difference, though. It wasn't that they gave a lame effort on the weekend, City. They were very, very competitive on yep. the weekend. And they got to two all. And yeah. uh, and really, you know, even though I still thought that Perth had one counter attack up their sleeve to maybe get the winner, I uh, thought City were on the way to winning that game. So in the past, uh, once the, the brick wall was up and the te- the opposition team got one early, which Perth did, usually City fell away in a bit of a rubble and it was a bit soft. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there was no softness about them on the weekend. Okay, right. They were just on the wrong end of a couple of errors, uh, but and also really good tactical play by. They two lines of four, and just them snapping away. Uh, whenever City had the possession, they snapped away, forced turnovers, and then they were off. Harold Castro Keo Dynamite on the counter attack. So,
0: but did they expose the same old defensive deficiencies that we've seen in City in the past?
1: In, in the way that City are playing with this fluid back three, back four type thing where Kilkenny joins in when they've got the ball and then drops back into back four when they don't have the ball. Uh, When you turn over the ball in a really bad area, and then you're off. It's hard for Kilkenny to quickly adjust to make it a back four. So I think that they struggled with, the with again, that transition play from when they had the ball, when they didn't have the ball, and suddenly, you know, they they got ripped apart a couple of times. The first goal was just late. I I think it was Josh Rose, who I was a big rap for last week. Mm. You know, the way Harold got in behind him, that's just you know, playground stuff, you know, it, sh- it should never have happened. It was a positional thing, concentration thing. They got that goal, Keo, beautiful tuck in, and, uh, and that really set the scene for them. They did, you know, what City didn't want them to do is for Perth to score early, because mm. then they mm. were even more emboldened with, with the way they were playing. So who wins?
0: Do you care? Wow. Do you even, do you care who wins? I mean, I know no, you, I you, care. no, I don't care. I actually
1: no. don't care who yeah. wins, but um, if they're both at their best, City will win. Because I think City are, are a better team. But if uh, if they're not at their best, victory or win.
0: Should I? Yeah. I know you say wait till Christmas, but I'm starting <laughs> to it hard, hard not to get excited about Liverpool at the moment. Just Put a lid on it, just mate. Just keep the lid Put on a it. Put a lid
1: on it.